When we heed a certain call When the world must come together as one There are people dying Oh, when it's time to lend a hand to life The greatest gift of all We can't go on Pretending day by day That someone, somewhere will soon make a change We all a part of God's great big family
song sums up the 80s for me. All the greatest stars in the 80s were on that, that track. Hey, Jack, do, do your best Springsteen for me on, on that We Are The World song. We are the world. I, I was telling them back there when I was a kid, I used to, um, I used to practice that song by singing each of the voices. So, so now you know why I'm as demented as I am. Do, sing, right? do sing the opera for me. How we doing? <laughs> well, well, well. Okay, so we good? It's a beautiful day, right? Beautiful day in the Lord. Okay. You guys ready to worship the Lord today? Yes. Let's get up. All right, this song was actually written in the 70s by the legendary Stevie Wonder, but the, uh, the Chili Peppers redid it in 89, so it makes an 80s song. So we're going to rock out with this one called Higher Ground.
Have a seat. <laughs> I just heard a kid say, that was weird. Uh, good morning. Welcome to Haven Church. Welcome to Haven Church. We are weird. That could be That's our new, that could be our new uh, mission statement. That we was are weird. weird. Keep Haven weird, like Austin, Texas. <laughs> uh, good morning, everybody. Right, great to see you this morning. If you're visiting with us today, welcome. We're, we're glad to see you, and uh, we hope you don't think this is how we look every week. We have to say that for the next few weeks as we finish it's this every, out. Every other week. Every other week. Yeah, right. Anyway, um, just a couple of announcements. Very brief today. Um, also, check out, if you, as you're socializing with people and fellowshipping on the, wind, on the two uh, TVs outside, you can see some of the announcements scrolling. That'll save some time in here as well. Just a couple things I wanted to highlight. You can take a look here, but... First thing is I wanted to let everyone know that we have a lost and found. If you've lost something and then it disappears and you don't know where it is, under the table in the Bell Cafe, check it out. Um, And we will be cleaning that out regularly, so check it quickly so you don't lose it. Um, The other thing is the annual baby baby bottle drive that we started last week. If anyone needs any other baby bottles, uh, see Judy. Judy, raise your hand. There you go. And uh, we hope you take part in that. That's a really neat opportunity. And then lastly, the Paris Foundation... Um, they, uh, we, the next one is June 15th. Um, I, it says in here that we've got a sign-up sheet back there, but we still don't know if the building's going to be okay to serve in. So wait till, if you want to volunteer, see Bonnie in the back. Bonnie, wave, wave your hand real quick. Um, if, and then next week she will have more information as to whether we'll be doing a dinner inside or whether we'll be doing lunches again. So, um, I think that's all I have. Do you have anything else? But, um, just, uh, just, um, one of the things about the baby bottle. Um, if people don't know, you get to fill them up with your change, and you're collecting them on Father's Day, right? June 1st or is Or whenever they said. come back in. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. We do have confirmation today. That will be um, right before our prayer time today, so our prayers and joys time. Um, we, we are glad that you're here. Today is our third week of the 80s, um, the totally tubular 80s, so we're having fun with this, and I hope you're connecting to it. I, I've had some fun um, really connecting to the messages and also just the planning for it. Um, and uh, next week will be our last week. So, um, and we'll save that to the end about what that's going to be. All right? So what we want you to do is just stand and greet one another and say, hey, we're glad that you're here today at Hayden. Let's uh, everybody head back. We're going to go ahead and join in prayer to start the day off. Lord God, I just want to start off today and just thank you for bringing all of us here. Um, I know just from the prayer request that there's a lot of a lot of concerns and a lot of issues, a lot of uh, things that are needed to be lifted up and uh, in in prayer today. And God, we just do that right now. But as part of the service, we just want to stop and glorify you, meaning that we just want to. I just focus on you and just thanking you for, for what you're doing in our lives. Even in the, in the low points, you're there, and you make things even more real to us. So, God, just um, be with us this time. Um, apart from all, all, you know, the 80s dress and everything else, God, um, just, just minister to our hearts what you would have for us here today. 
And for that, we give you all the praise and glory in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I want to ask everybody real quick, and then I'll turn it over to Wayne. How many ever heard of an album called Full Moon Fever? Come on, Chris, do you know? There you go, uh, Tom Petty in the heart. I am taking Chris on Rock and Roll Jeopardy, and um, and uh, you raised a good one there. You ready to go? He's got he's got the music. Um, I must have listened to that cassette tape. For those of you who don't know that, it's kind of like an iPod in your hand that you have to put in. It has this little tape, and it goes. Forget it. Um, and you had to pencil if it got. Out. You guys remember if you're that old. But I must have listened to this a billion times. And then um, a couple years ago, a guy named John Mayer came out with a version of it, which is really cool. So we're going we're gonna to ask you to stand up, and because I recognize sometimes in life, it just seems like we're in a free fall, am I right? It just seems like it's all going down, so we're going to talk about free falling. Yep. And feel free to sing along, guys. This is Haven Church, it's a singing church. Go, Jack. She's a good girl, loves her mama, loves Jesus, and America too. She's a good girl, crazy about Elvis, loves horses, and a boyfriend too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh 
All right, this song is one that Jackson wanted to do for a long time. So now he's got an excuse. Uh, 80s, so we're going to do a little Stevie Wimbledon for you guys. You remember the song? To me, I, I always remember the song being on the old radios back in that time. And just, you know, Steve Wimbledon was an awesome musician. And uh, you guys know the song, Higher, Higher Love? Yeah? All right, cool, man. I'm going to sing along. Sing it out. Ready? Thomas.
You may be seated. Not Sunday school yet. All right, how you doing? I don't know how people deal with that hair. It's horrible. Huh? I got wig hair? All right, here we go. I'll fix my hair. Give me a second. There we go. Okay. All right. Um, all right, um, one of the special things that's been happening, um, if you saw like a mass exodus of young people um, during the last couple of weeks, um, last week they were the fan club and then they kind of disappeared. Um, Teresa spent how many weeks? And eight weeks. Um, together, uh, Teresa and Jeannie, eight weeks with these uh, with the confirmation class, and um, that's what the, the process they've gone through for um, for membership. So we're gonna um, I'm, I'm gonna call them up uh, individually. For and if you have a sponsor that's also with you, please come up and we'll line up across here. First one we have is Hannah Barton. And next one is, um, there you go, wherever you want, you can stand, you can, you can go right here, you can work that way, all right? Um, next is Emily Bordley. And then we have Natalie Bordley. And then we have Kelly Bordley. Last call for Bordleys. Um, Julia Dan. Zach Johnson. Taylor Krauss. Eden Lead. Reese Moore. Cooper Wilcox. And Sonia Wilcox. And I believe that's everybody, right? Okay, I believe we got everybody. Wow, good group of people, huh? All right, so um, good to see them here. All right, you can sit down. No, just joking. Say for Okay. One of the things I like to do, if you look in the, um, when anybody, ever anybody joins the church, one of the things I like to do is if you look in scripture, there is always um, importance to name meanings. Um, and names mean something. Just real quick, how many of you know what your name means? Okay. How many have no clue? Okay. You should figure that out. All right. Here we go. So what I did is I went through the list and I wanted to go ahead and share because I believe that names also help relate very strongly to um, the call on, God on um, a person's life. How are you? All right. Okay. Here we go. Hannah, do you know what your name means? 
Okay, it, it's favor or grace. And um, one of the cool things is one of the most powerful women in Scripture is a lady named Hannah. And she had a, guy, a son named Samuel. And, um, and there's one section that I thought really filled out um, favor and grace and the spirit of Hannah in the Bible. And it says, um, it's in her prayer when she said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high, which means my strength. And my mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. And I found that really awesome because that was in probably one of the most difficult times of her life that she prayed that. And, and so when in the most difficult times of her life, she could pray, um, God, God is my strength, is my, is my, uh, my blessing, and my, my rock. And I know that's who he's going to be for your life. All right? So thanks. All right, here we go. We got a bunch of boardlies here, so hold on. Okay. Emily, do you know what your name means? Okay, I'm going to have to ask your parents on this one. Um, to excel or hardworking? There we go. All right. Um, and I found this verse from Proverbs. And by the way, Hannah, yours is from 1 Samuel um, second chapter, verses 1 and 2. Um, Emily, yours is from Proverbs 14, 23, and it says, All her hard work brings a profit. But mere talk only leads to poverty. There are so many people in the world that say things, and we're actually going to touch a little bit about this today, but there's so many people who say they love, who say they want to do this, but they don't do it. Um, and knowing you, I know that you're, you're very committed to what you desire to do, and so your name's very fitting. I know, I've seen you work very hard just to, through the wall over there and, um, and at everything you do. So my prayer is that you'll also do that for the Lord. All right? All right. Natalie. Hi. Do you know what your name means? Christmas Day, yes. Try to find Christmas Day in the Bible. That's really weird. You can't find anything that talks about Christmas. You find everything about Christmas. But one of the things I did, I picked probably one of the first accounts of Christmas, which I think is awesome. And it's in Luke chapter 2, 11. And it's the angels appear and they say, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is um, the Christ the Lord. And um, then it says, all the, the uh, heavens opened up and rejoiced. And so for me, what, um, and it's a glory to God in the highest and on peace on earth, goodwill to all. And so that's what I, w- I want to see in your life, what I think the Lord is, is doing in your life, that every day is Christmas with you. Isn't that cool? Um, so you can tell them you need a present every day. They named you that way. But um, you are God's gift, and I think the Lord wants to do exactly what he did with the shepherds and others just to say, hey, um, there's a savior and he's in my life and I hope everybody sees that. So, so for somebody here today or in, in your life may see you as their first Christmas, the angel that came and told them. So thanks. God bless. Thanks. All right. Kelly. Kelly means loud and obnoxious. No, just joking. <laughs> just joking, Kelly. <laughs> it's very fitting, actually. No, uh, Kelly, I, actually, this is very fitting for you. You, you know what your name means? Warrior. Actually means female warrior, which is perfect for Kelly. Um, uh, But in Psalm 89, 19, it says, Once you spoke in a vision, your faithful people said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have raised up a a young person among the people. And what I know about you, Kelly does not have unexpressed thoughts. 
And that's awesome. You know where she stands, and she's passionate about that. And I love that about her because you don't have to guess. And I think not only – a lot of people a lot of times think that's a bad thing. I think it's a really good thing. And I think um, particularly when it's used for the Lord, she's just not going to take what most of society does and puts Jesus in the corner. I think she's going to be a true warrior for the Lord and be able to share, hey, I don't care what you say. He's my Lord and Savior. All right? So, so I love that. Love you. You're out of order. All right, I can, I can go. All right, Zach, 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 how you doing? You know what your name means? No clue? Hey, see that smile on his face? Zach always has a smile on his face, and it's pretty good because his name means laughter. It's, um, it's, uh, a, uh, it d- derives from Isaac in the Bible. And um, in Psalm 126.2, it says, Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Um, as I said, I always see Jack, Zach, Zach smiling. Zach, I see Jack every day in the mirror. So, um, but I always see Zach smiling, and he's, he's always committed. Um, and I think that, that his, his strength, I've seen him also grow in the Lord, and I think that his strength is that he knows that the Lord has done great things for him, and I know he will. And you'll see that smile even, even louder and bigger in the world. All right, Zach? You look nervous. All right. I have to. This is Julia. And do you know what your name means? Okay. Um, in, about, in about 25 years, this will be really important because your name means youthful. Um, and the verse I came to from Timothy, and I think this is important for all of you guys, but um, is from 1 Timothy 4.12. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example um, for the believers in speech, conduct, in love, and in faith and purity. And one of the things I see is that um, in most of our churches in the United States and in most of our areas, we look at young people as being kind of like, oh, they're here, and we're here. This is not the ch- – and I've heard people say, the young people are the church of tomorrow. No, they're the church of today. And um, that is a passionate part. And so I, I can't wait to see um, – See you also just to, because I know you're, you're a lot like Kelly too. You'll express too, and, you're, and that's good. That's a good thing. And um, to recognize, don't let anybody look down on you just because of your age, but that's a strength. That's a strength. Um, David was just a, a little shepherd boy when he knocked out Goliath. All right, so thanks. Love you. All right. This is a tough one. Does, can anybody guess what Taylor means? Yeah, yeah it's, it means... Uh, to, to be a tailor <laughs> they went, uh, or to cut. And um, try to find that in the Bible. It's really interesting. But I did find one. Because tailors make what? Clothes. Clothes or garments. Ready for this one? Um, and in Isaiah 61 verse 3 it says um, that for people who mourn, who are in mourning, it says to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and here we go, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And I think, again, your name means that uh, you also have a smile on your face, too. Well, and, um, and I think that in that, that, you, um, that, that, that helps people who are hurting, um, that you can go ahead and you can help, in a way, clothe people by just saying, hey, here I am. I'm, I'm here to help you and, and to put on that. I love that vision. Anybody have any heaviness in your life? Anybody? Um, when you, what the scripture says is put on praise. And that spirit of heaviness will depart from you. So, so that's what I want you to do, okay? Love you, hon. You've already done this. So.
Eden. It has nothing, it, well, it kind of has to do with the garden, but not really. Um, do you know what your name means? It's a place of pleasure or paradise. Ooh. <laughs> right? And that's how it always is in the house, right? There we go. Um, obviously, I could go to the Garden of Eden, but I didn't, didn't. I went to Psalm 16, 11. It said, you make known to me the path of life, talking about God. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And um, I know you're gifted. I've seen your, your giftedness. And I've seen when, when you sing or just by being around that people go ahead. And there's this pleasure, this love that seems to... That just shares, it's not just yours, it's the, it's the presence of God. And so I see that even increasing and people seeing that, that pleasure, people coming to a place of peace and pleasure and paradise in, in your life and through your guests. Amen. Hi, Reese. As you can tell by Reese's look here, his name means, you know what it means? Enthusiasm. Look at the enthusiasm, right? There we go. Um, and I found a verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse, verse 2. It says, For I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians. Paul's writing this. And he says, Tell them that since last year you were in Cadia, you were ready to give. And he says, Your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. I can tell you one of the main issues in church is getting people stirred to action. And... Um, I would dare say that if you want something bad enough, you can stir your parents and some people to some action. Am I right? Most likely, right. So, you know, that's not just a bad thing because the Lord needs people who get people going for him and going out there and telling them. And I really believe that's what God wants to do is to use you to, and, and your connection with the Lord to go ahead and make other people enthusiastic about who they are. All right? Sound good? Bam. All right. Get ready. I had some hard names this time. I mean, they were just like easy ones. Um, Cooper. You know what your name is? A barrel maker. I'll let you know there's not any barrel makers in the Bible that I could find. But a barrel is what? And it, it is what for? A container, right? You with me here? We're working on this together. Okay. Um, it's a container. So I came to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, um, verse 6 and 7. It says, for the Lord... who." For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has made light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay or barrels. Does it work? Okay. Um, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Basically, what we recognize is we are just a vessel, empty thing. A, a barrel that's empty is no good. A, a jar... That's, or anything that's empty is no good. What do we do with something when we're done with the ketchup? What do we do? Throw it away. And so what I think is that you're, you are to be a barrel maker to help fill people up, fill people up with the love of God and the Holy Spirit. Sound good? Because I know you got some talent too. And I want to see God use that. All right? Amen. Thanks, Bob. All right. So you're going to like this one. You know what your name means? Wisdom. Sonia, here she is. She's wise, can't you tell? Right? All right. Proverbs 4, 6. Do not forsake wisdom, 
and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. It's great. It's interesting that in the scripture, they, they uh, often use the term Sophia, which is where that comes from, as a personification of a, of a feminine form um, that, that in your life, that I think um, God wants to continue to give you wisdom in your own life, but also it's one of the uh, gifts and fruits of the Spirit that you can go ahead and be wise, and maybe you might not have all the book sense, but God will give you supernatural spiritual wisdom. So that's what I see him doing in your life, helping others, and you. All right? Okay, um, anything, any, anything you want to say or anything? You good? Teresa, anything? Okay, there's hugs. Okay. Right. All right, they did a great job. And I thank, uh, I thank uh, Teresa and Jeannie and Jeannie and Teresa for their leadership in this um, and having fun. You guys are like, hmm, I wonder what was going on in there. So. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for you to bow your heads. We're just going to pray for all of them. Lord God, I just want to come to you now and just thank you for who you are um, and who you are in each of these lives. Um, God, I don't believe by mistake they were given the names. I mean, some of them may be family names or one that they saw on a TV show and they liked or in a baby book. But God, I believe that you are going to use that um, and these attributes, just some of these, in order to further your kingdom. These guys have a lot of influence with their peers, um, with their parents, with others. And God, I know that you want to... Um, you, you become more real to them in their lives. And as they take in this public profession of faith by standing up and saying, hey, I believe who Jesus is, and I want to take this profession to say, yes, I'm going to take a stance for this, um, that God, you'll not just leave it inside these walls, but wherever they go, that there'll be a light shining for you. And for that, we'll give you all the glory. In Christ's name, amen. All right, let's welcome these guys back into the community. Thank you, guys. I do want to encourage you, there are baskets on, in the back on either side. If you have a praise report or a prayer request, to please drop them in there. This morning, um, we have a praise from Valerie, um, thanking God for Jeannie, who's always showing the youth a good time. Um, and we do have a prayer request from Marsha and Tom to please keep the McCusker family in our prayers. Larry's sister's very sick. And we have a request from Pete requesting um, prayer for John Fisher, who is recovering from a transplant. Anybody else have any prayer requests they quickly want to share? Yeah. I just received a, a message from the May family to keep her daughter, Hannah, in prayers and her because she's been sick with some kind of 
stomach virus, and she said it could be a good thing because she's lost six pounds, but it's not. <laughs> she's not feeling very well. Okay, so that was the May family, um, and daughter Hannah is sick. All right, let's all go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Dear precious Jesus, we thank you for bringing us all here together. We thank you for this beautiful, sunshiny day with the warm temperatures. And we thank you, Lord, that you hear our request and that you're with us and that you care about our every need. We pray, dear Jesus, that you would be with the McCusker family as they deal with Larry's sister who's very ill. We pray for your healing hands upon them or on her, and we pray that you'll be with the family and give them the strength as they deal with this. We pray, dear Lord, for John Fisher, that you'd be with him as he recovers from this transplant. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given our doctors the knowledge and the technology to be able to do such things. We pray for Hannah May, that, Lord, you'd lay your healing hands upon her and, and be with that entire family. Give them the strength to go through the illness that you has brought, um, has come unto their house. We pray, dear Lord, that you would be with us throughout this service. Guide us. Keep us, Lord. Open our hearts and our minds to the words that you want us to hear today. We pray that you'll be with Jack as he delivers the message that, Lord, he will deliver the message as you've given it to him. We pray, dear Jesus, that you'd be with us as we give our uh, tithes and offerings to you. And we just ask for your blessings upon it, that we'll use it to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I love it when God gives me a song that's perfect for today. This song is called Shameless. Uh, by Billy Joel, and uh, it was redone by Garth Brooks, but I always thought the song was about his wife, but it wasn't, it was about his daughter. You know, he was so shameless that every time he looked at her, he fell on his knees, that kind of sentiment. So it's awesome we got there. I had no idea we are doing this, this kid thing today, and so I think it's awesome to see our kids coming into that, you know, God uh, and uh, in the community of, of Haven Church and, and how we should be shameless about them and, and love them with all of our hearts. So I think it's just awesome. And I uh, I'm also, uh, I'm also uh, kind of honored that Fred is uh, such a warrior, warrior friend of mine. You know, he's like, he's fighting some pain issues today, but he just had to be here and support this effort and sing this song for us. So I think it's a great offering. To Love you, man. But if you need to be satisfied, I'm shameless. 
invite you to follow the scripture this morning either in your own Bible or on the screens as I read it. The most important commandment. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? 
And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. For the first and greatest commandment, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. It's not for sale, Francis, right? Good, good stuff. How many saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Yeah. Um, anytime I hear that song, Tequila, I think of him up on, you know, in the, what a crazy, craziness. I remember my friends went to Movie King, ring a bell, um, and said, hey, we got this horror movie, you know, um, and remember when horror movies were really in, all the billions of Friday the 13th and all those kind of things? Um, and we were getting ready for this, and it started, and the, and the scene starts with this guy on a bicycle, the bikers, and then all of a sudden Pee Wee walks by, and I'm like, you guys are idiots. I don't want to watch this thing. So, um, And I showed it to my kids one day, and they're like, what in the world is this? I said, just don't worry about it. It's ridiculous. Um, all right, we're in week three. Next week is going to be our last, our last week in the 80s, so I can put these jeans away for the next ho- uh, costume party or something, um, unless I decide to market them. I'll be selling Haven jeans. Um, uh, all proceeds go to the budget. Uh, here we go. Um, but um, it, that, that, song, that song by Steve Winwood, and let's see how good you are. Ready, Chris? I'm going to test you out again. Who was the background singer in Higher, in higher Love? Oh, I stumped him. Anybody else know? Chaka Khan. Remember her? Chaka Khan. Now you guys are all singing that Chaka Khan song. Okay. Good morning, Haven. I'm glad you're here. We are excited. Um, you know, this. I grew up in the 80s, and there's been a lot of things. And um, I will tell you next week, the final, the last countdown in the series will be the final countdown. Um, so you'll get to hear that. Um, but um, let me ask you a question. We start off with living on a prayer, right? And last week we talked about what? Don't stop believing. And today I wanted to talk about higher love. If someone were to ask you the most important thing to do with your life, the single most important thing, what would you think that is? 
How would you answer that? Many of us, since we're in church, because, you know, I, I get that opportunity when I'm sitting in church, I get people to do have churchy responses. Um, but some would say, probably love God, and you'd be right with that. You'd absolutely be right with that, to love God. But then if I said, what is the follow-up to that? Um, many of you know that Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he went, as Stephen read for us, and what happened? He went ahead and gave him two, because they're so intertwined. And the second one is this. The second thing you're supposed to do with your life is love God. First thing is love the Lord your God. And the next thing is love others. Uh, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And then the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he made a statement, all the law and prophets can be lumped into this. So what he said is all of Scripture can be lumped into this one sentence here. Love God with everything you have and love others as yourself. So what I find out is love is all about, uh, life is all about love and vice versa. It's not about accomplishments. It's not about um, tasks. Uh, how many of us think that this week is about what we've got to do? Um, and that sends them as, it's not about being famous. Uh, although although uh, Chris's granddaughter here thinks I'm God which, you know, is, is a little bit humbling at times, you know. Um, so, uh, but I do think that's rather funny um, and, and cool. But it's not about acquisitions. It's about the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all you have and love others as yourself. This is so important. And today I want to focus on primarily the second part of this. You know, one of the things is about loving others. And you know, one of the things we find out is we're not really good at this. We're not. We may think that we are. We may think that we're really good about loving others as ourselves. But it's, it, when I find out, we really don't love our neighbors as ourselves. Look at Jesus' command. Jesus says, love your neighbors yourself. Anybody want to guess how many times Jesus says this in the Bible? You guys just said? Nobody? Anybody got a number? Not once. Not twice. Not three times, not four times, not even five times, not eight times, ten times. Ten times in the Bible, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. So if Jesus says something ten times, guess what? It's probably pretty important to share, um, to share with that. So in order to do that, Jesus didn't only say it, but Paul hammered it in too. Paul writes... He says, the entire law is summed up in one single sentence, one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So to make sure we don't forget this, Jesus actually gave us another story. And it's one I'm going to give to you. It's a familiar story. It's probably one of the most famous stories in all of Scripture. It's one that most hospitals are named after. Hundreds and even thousands of hospitals are named after the Good Samaritan. And that's the, the account that we're going to talk about today. So... Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. And, or it may be up on the screen. If not, no big deal. We're, we're good. Everybody, I'm going to read it to you. So here's the story. Jesus says, one day, it says, one day an expert on religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him a question. It's kind of a debate question to capture Jesus and to trick him. And he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's a pretty good question. And that's something that you really like to know it, that would be important. So in other words, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus said, what does the law of Moses say? 
The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you have that printed, um, if you have that printed up there, um, in your, if you have it printed somewhere in your Bible, I mean your bulletin, or in your Bible, go ahead and look at circle or just write down in your notes as yourself. Because that's the radical part. Loving your neighbor. How many of, if I ask you, how many of you love your neighbor? And most of you say, okay, I, I love my neighbor. How many of you would say you love your neighbor exactly as much as you love yourself? Okay. That's a little difficult, isn't it? Uh, and so, so when we look at this, Jesus says, that's right. Good answer. He said, do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify his actions. So the man asked him another follow-up question. He said, who's my neighbor? Uh, why do we do that? You ever wonder who your neighbor is? He said, okay, who's my neighbor? Is it the person that lives next to me? Because I kind of like them. Is it the person that lives two doors down? Because I don't like them. Do I have to love them? Do I have to be good to Is it the person that puts in front of me in the fast lane at 35 miles an hour? Because I, I can run them off the road and no longer be my neighbor, that kind of deal. Is it the person who just agitates me at school or at work all the time? Is that my neighbor? And so what we end up doing, we end up wrestling with this. And what's he trying to do? He's looking for a loophole, as many of us do. Looking for a loophole and saying, I don't really want to love everybody. I just want to love those who I like. And so he goes ahead and shares. Um, some of you may say, well, I have a whole bunch of Facebook friends. Is it them? I can love them. I can put a little heart next to it. I love my Facebook friends and give a thumbs up and everybody be, this is cool. You know, it's really interesting. But Jesus is saying, it's everybody. And, I, uh, you know, speaking of Facebook, this week I put on a post, and it's really funny, when I preach about something, God likes to give me life experiences, good, bad, and indifferent. So this week, um, I was at the gym working out. Oh, yeah, right. I, I was going to share it. So I'm at the gym working out, and as I'm, as I'm working out, I, I'm somebody, if I go work out, I want to sweat. I want to sweat a lot. And so the way it's laid out, I had this elliptical machine here, and there's like seven, eight, nine, ten treadmills with nobody on them. So I'm on this one, and I got on, and I went, click, click, turn the fan off. So I start doing my thing. You know, I got, I got 80s music on because I'm always working on this. I actually listened to Higher Love for 35 minutes in a row um, this week. And so I'm on there, I'm doing this, and all of a sudden, I feel this cold air. And I look, and this lady just kind of went over, click, and she stood right next to me. And I'm like, there's a billion other ones. Go. So I immediately react and say, could you please turn that fan off? And I'm like, right, here I go. I'm doing this. Could you turn that off? She looks at me and ignores me. Now, imagine that, ignoring me. <laughs> and gets on this treadmill next to me. And she's going, and this is blaring. And here's the funny thing that's going on in my mind. I'm preparing, I'm listening to Higher Love. I'm thinking about this sermon, Higher Love. And really, I want to choke this woman on the treadmill next to me. <laughs> You with me? And, you know, I'm like making up my own words to the song. Let me let her fall off the treadmill. Uh, you know, let her go somewhere else. And like, I'm going to punch her here. Yeah, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and meanwhile, I am so livid. I don't, I was having a good workout because when you're ticked, you just, you know. Uh, and I was, I was really cranking out. But all I could think of is this fan on me and her driving me batty. And how rude this woman is, and that she thinks that the world totally focuses around her, that she turns on my fan that I turned off. 
So I'm furious. So I'm about midway, and I'm looking, and, I say, and it goes, you've just um, gone mile three. And I'm like, good. I jump off. I turn it off, and I'm back on. I'm like, I dare her to turn that thing on. I'm going to let, and I'm doing this. And she gets done before me and goes on. I was like, I was going to. And then, then I'm like thinking, was it worth it, Jack? <laughs> and I'm like, hmm. And then Laura starts convicting me. And I'm just like, yeah, but she, God, she was rude. And, you know, you know, and then meanwhile, I'm going, bring me a higher love. Yeah, I'm happy now. No, no air. And I'm like, Wow. And then I get to that point, where's that higher love I keep thinking of? And I'm like, it wasn't here just a couple minutes ago, was it? Um, yeah, not when she turned on that fan, it wasn't, or when I turned it off and got nasty, you know? And I'm like, it's just so ridiculous how we can have this whole concept of loving others as ourselves. And, you know, I'm going through all this stuff. I even put it on Facebook if you want to see it. And I was like, if she had just asked me, if she had enough uh, politeness and just was nice enough to ask me, I would have said, turn it on. I don't have a problem. And... And I'm like, who am I? Well, I was on there first. but um, So now at the gym all the week, all the people who are at the gym with me, Facebook, are like, I'm, when you get on there and you're mid-stride, I am turning on that fan. And I said, you do? I will punch you. And so, you know, it was all this kind of stuff. But the whole thing about this is, is I say I love others, but maybe not as much as I love myself. You know, Jesus didn't say love others. That's easy. But I don't love them as much as I love me. I love me a heck of a lot. You know, and, there, and you know, I find out there's sometimes I really don't like me a lot. So if I really, there's times where I really don't like me a lot. I'm treating people worse than I treat me. And I'm, you see what I mean here? It's like, it's, it's weird that we love ourselves so much that we, you know, we have this sense of narcissism to us that it's my gym, it's my spot, it's my world. And you mess with that world, you're in trouble. And... What I realized is in the story of the Good Samaritan, there's a couple things that we see here. And in seeing this, there are three people that become very important in the story. There's a, a priest, there's a Levite who is a religious leader, and there's a Samaritan. And what's happening is there's this guy, he's coming from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a windy, mountainous road. And if you were going there by yourself, you would come around areas. People used to travel in packs of people or in groups because when they got into an area, it was easy to get mugged and, and uh, robbed and everything else and even left for dead. And that's what happens to this man. He's heading on his way down a mountain area, a mountainous area. He gets into one point. They rob him, they beat him, and they strip him completely naked and leave him there bleeding and dying. And so as he's, as he's walking along, as, as he's laying there, three guys, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan walk by and see him. And what I found out, there are three attitudes based off of these three people that we react to how we love other people that we can learn. It's, it's not like you're saying, and you read the story and say, okay, I'm always the priest, or I am always the Levite, or I'm always the Samaritan. Because what I find out, if you're like me and you are because you're human, we have a little bit of attributes in all these different times, and a lot of different ones. Matter of fact, a guy who I really, really like, an older guy, he loves the fan. He was working out with a fan on the other day. I wanted to work out next to him, so I stood there next to him with the fan on me the whole time. Didn't care one bit because I like the guy here. You see what I mean? At that point, I'm a Samaritan. And the other point, I don't, I don't know what I am. I'm, I'm a Terminator. I don't know. But so here, there are three possible ways we react to people. The first thing that we can do is I can keep my distance. 
That's our first thing. It's on three attitudes. Where's that higher love I'm thinking of? I can keep my distance. This is an attitude of avoidance, and it comes from verse 30. Look at what happens here. There was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho where the robbers attacked him, stripped him, and beat him, and left him half dead. So that's, that's what we have that's written here. So then we, re- we look on further, and you can read the verse of Scripture. It says, so it happened, and we'll come back to later, that a priest was going down the road, but when he saw the man, what did he do? He did the Dion Warwick song, just walk on by. Walked right on by him and kept going. This is a lifestyle of avoidance. We are all guilty of this. We are guilty of this in whatever store we're in where we see that person that we know that is going to take a lot of our time. When we walk and we look and we see them and we're headed down here, we look up and we go. And we walk around here like this. Right? We creep around. Why? Because we don't have enough time, so we avoid. We don't want to deal with that. Or if we see that, that'll, that'll, take, that'll take us out of our, where we're going and what we're doing. And so we just kind of, you, you, ever, you ever see the people that you actually try to convince yourself you don't see them? You know what I mean? Like you, you would go like this and you go, or you pick up something. Or here's the good one now that we do it. You know, get a little bit closer to avoid people so that we don't have to spend time with them, so that we don't have to do anything, so that we don't have to talk to them, so that we don't have to spend time with them. And what we see here is, in this case, we are very good at this. We don't get close to people. Many times we don't get close to people at all. We don't get close to people at work. We don't get close to people in our kids' groups because we don't want to give them any of our time or any of our energy. So we keep our neighbors at our distance. We don't let people get close to, that, to us. You know, in Maryland, this is, and, and anywhere we live, it's a very common lifestyle. It's easy to take traffic patterns to avoid people around us and the people that we live next door. We have a great manner for avoiding people. It's called a garage opener. We click it to leave. We click it to come back. And we don't have to talk to anybody that we don't want to. We can even do that within our own houses by having our own televisions everywhere, our own computers everywhere, our own offices everywhere. We don't have to spend time together if we don't want to, and we can avoid everybody. You see, one of, one of the things, Melissa and I have always been blessed to have really good neighbors, and, um, and I love them, and, and our neighbors, we've always been blessed since we've been married to have great neighbors. But if I want to, and I can tell you, particularly during the winter months, I don't have to see any of them if I don't want to. I don't have to talk to anybody, and it's been that easy, and yet I can avoid, I can go from point A to point B in our community, and I don't have to see poverty, I don't have to see homelessness, I don't have to see drug addiction, I can just drive from point A to point B, keep my blinders up, or my pretend blinders, and say, I'm just keep rolling, I don't have to see that, because I'm going from one place to the other, the place I want to go to, to the place where I don't want to go to, and then when I get between those two places, hey, I can just pass people along the way. It doesn't matter about their plight. How many of you have ever seen somebody with a sign? And yeah, I know some are charlatans, but how many of you have seen people with signs and you just keep on walking by, keep on going by and acting like you don't even see them? It happens time and time again. So that's our first way. Our second attitude is to be curious but not involved. The second guy, this is a Levite. And the Levite was a religious leader. And we're told in verse 32, in the same way, a Levite also came by. He, he went over, looked at the man, and then he walked on to the other side. The Le- Just to let you know, a Levite is not a gene salesman. He is a religious leader. And what you find out here is religion will not make you loving. 
Matter of fact, I got to tell you, some of the most religious people in my life have been some of the most arrogant jerks I've ever met in my life. You agree with me? And it's because they have a religiosity that is here, but there's no love in that. It's legalism. It's stuff that we use to pound you over the head with to get you in line. It's not love. Here, here we have this guy that he's actually worse than the priest. He walks over, looks at the guy who's naked, bleeding, dying, has no money or anything. He looks at him, and then he goes back to the other side of the road. And most of us go, that is atrocious. How dare could he do that? Out in the world. But guess what? We do the same thing time and time again. For instance, this week, I saw two car accidents. I saw one that was a van and a motorcycle on 95. And I saw the paramedics down the hill. Not a good situation. What I do? Right? We love to look, don't we? We love to look. You notice how traffic slows completely down so everybody can look? And then on 95, coming the other way. There was another accident. What am I doing? Looking. And then I go on my way. We are just like the, the Levite. We look, we gawk, and we get back to our own life and go the other way. It's very interesting. We don't like to get involved in people's lives. We, we, there's something about us that we love to stare, but we hate to stop. We like to look at people's pain. We love to gossip about people's pain. We love to talk about people's pain, but we don't like to get involved with it and help them through it. We talk about it, read it, and gossip it, but we don't want to be involved. He walks over, sees this guy in this situation, and goes on about his life. It's very easy to talk about people's problems. It's a lot more difficult to, to work and be empathetic, empathetic through them. In verse 33, we have the third response, and this is a good one. I can treat them how I want to be treated. You can treat people how you are, how you'd like to be treated. In 33, it says, a Samaritan who was traveling that way came upon the man, and when he saw him, his heart was filled with joy. I mean, filled with pity, excuse me, filled with pity. Jesus loved to turn the tables. The Samaritans were kind of a half-breed of the Jews, and they were hated, despised. It would be like if you were in the time of Jim Crow in the South and you made an African-American a hero. It wouldn't have made them very happy, and that's what Jesus was doing here. As we see the situation, he takes this guy and makes him the hero for the entire group. In Matthew 7, verse 12, we're told, always treat other people, always treat others the way you would want to be treated. That's the golden rule. And so in the remainder of the service today, I want to share four things that the Samaritan does to bring about a higher love. And that's what we want to talk about for the rest of the time. The first thing in order to bring about a higher love, the love that God desires from us, is first, to love my neighbor as myself, I must see their needs. I must see their needs. I have to see what they need in life. This is called sensitivity. I have to be sensitive. Love is sensitive. It begins with looking. It starts with the eye. You can't meet a need until you see it. You, you can't do it. It all starts with observation. In verse 33, look at what it says. It says, when, and I have this printed in your bulletin from the message version. When he saw the man's condition, he, his heart went out to him. That's what the Samaritan did. When he saw the condition, he wasn't so busy that he didn't stop. He looked. He saw the plight. When he saw the plight, then he was allowed to action. Then he ended up doing that. There are wounded people all around you every day. 
They're sitting in your row right now. They're people who are wounded physically, mentally, spiritually, relationally, and they're sitting right here in this room. And yet, many of us want to just sit in a row, sing some songs, hear what God says, and get out so we can forget about the world's problems. But what we need to do is, to have that higher love, we need to look around. And the scripture tells us, bear with each other. What does that mean? That means to share in each other's uh, tragedies and strengths. Help them through these things. Why? Because when you're in that situation, you want somebody to do that for you as well. Some of the best... um, Some of the best feelings I've ever had, the best counseling I've ever had, are people who have gone through similar things that I've gone through and been willing to walk and journey with me when I was going through them. And some of you could testify to that as well. We don't see what's going on, and we're not sensitive because we we don't have our eyes open for it. We don't pay time for this. And it's because of our schedules. It's because of busyness. I'm late for this. I'm late for that. If you've ever been um, early for something, it's kind of cool to go someplace. Next time you have to be somewhere in and, and time, go really early. Okay? Go really early and see what happens. Because when you go really early, you get kind of stir crazy, like really early, and you start to want to have conversation with people. You do. And you start to find out things about people. And you start to share things with people. And you start to hear things. You start to observe people. I love to people watch. Anybody ever people watch? Oh, it's awesome. I, Melissa and I people watch, and we make up stories about people. It is the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, well, you see, this person's name is, is Mark, and he's, doing, he's this, and he works for here. And, and then sometimes, if I get a chance, I talk to them to see if I'm right. And if I am, I'm like, bonus points, ding, you know. It's, it's like a game. And when you do that, there's something about me I just like to know about people, and people tell me about themselves. And so, but when you're, when you're always running late, you aren't spending time with anybody. If you're running late, you may look at somebody and go, I don't care, and you're just going. You're, you're so focused. So our busyness in life has us kind of uh, blind by what's going on in the world. Busyness kills love. You can't love others. You can't love your spouse. You can't love your friends. You can't love your children if you're too busy to look at them and see what they need. You just can't do it. Right? All right. Look at what happens. He says, when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. If I'm hurried, if he was so hurried like the other ones were, he couldn't be bothered. So how do you see the people around you? You know, I've had a couple occasions where I've been able to fly across the United States and um, to California twice and to Vegas once. Uh, no, Vegas, yeah, once. Um, and in flying across the United States, I flew a lot of miles across the country. You know how much of the country I saw? None. Absolutely none. You know why? Because I'm heading from point A to point B. If you've ever gone out, one of the interesting things is if you've ever gone out and run or walked around, you see things you don't usually see when you take time to see that, when you take time to slow down. The slower I go, the more I see. The faster I go, the less I see of the needs around me. In 1 Corinthians 10, 24, it says, look out for the good of others. That's what we're supposed to do. We're called to look out for the good of others. There are some of you that are naturally more sensitive. Um, some might call them women, but some may not. But, you know, I, I, I know that's kind of sexist, but men are too. Um, I tend to be one of those sensitive kind of guys as well, most of the time, uh, except for when you turn on the fan and I'm working out at the gym. Uh, but, 
most of the time, I like, you know, I, I, I see people and I know that something's wrong with them and I care about it. There's a natural caring ability. But a lot of times, my schedule takes precedence over everything else. So that's the first thing that we have here. Um, so I want to ask you, you may say, yeah, I, I do love my neighbor. Um, if I ask you how sensitive you are to your neighbors and the people who live next to you or near you, um, how many of you would say that you know what your neighbor's main need and concern is right now? Okay, a couple of you do, all right? Some of your neighbors may say they think they do, but they don't know anything about me. Now, if I was to ask you to write down the name of one unbeliever who doesn't know Jesus, and they, they haven't stepped across the line to really know them, would you be able to write that person's name down? Could you write their biggest struggle? If you can't, you're in trouble because there's a lot of them out there. And maybe we don't know our neighbor as well as we, do, we think we do or love them as much as we do ourselves. In Galatians 6, 8, it tells us the person who plants selfishness is the person who, plant, who ignoring the needs of others, harvest a crop of weeds, and all he'll have to show for his life is weeds. Wouldn't you hate to get to heaven and God say, all I got is a bunch of weeds for you. That's all I see is a bunch of weeds. God did not put you on this earth to live for yourself. He put you on this earth to live for him and to love your neighbor as yourself. Number two, to love my neighbor as myself, I must sympathize with their pain. So I must see what they need, but I also must sympathize with their pain. Sensitivity is the first thing. It starts with the eyes. Sympathy starts with the heart. First, it's not enough to see people's needs. I have to feel what they feel. I have to understand their emotions. In verse 33, it says, weep with those who weep. And when he saw him with his heart, he was filled with compassion. Sympathy begins with the ears. How do we become sympathetic to our children? They bug us and they tell us and we hear it with our ears. How do you become a more sympathetic person? Listen. I can tell you that's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life is become a listener. Because I'm always thinking. And those who are always thinking have problems stopping and listening. So do you, anybody else have problems listening to somebody? Some of you may have problems listening to me right now. Who knows? Um, but listen. Um, a, lot of you, a lot of you may say, I'm listening all the time. But you, so here's a, good, here's a good thing for your marriage and for relationships. Practice first date listening. Okay, you got me? First date listening. How many of you went on a first date with your spouse? You remember his first date. Remember, you guys sat and intentionally looked at each other and listened to every word. You hung on every word they said, every motion that they made, everything that they did, what they ordered, how they ate, how they did this. You watched and you looked and you looked and you listened and you watched. And, you, and you, now, now you sit down and you're like, mm -hmm, okay, see you. Go. You aren't listening to anything. First date listening. And you're not really listening, so you can't be sympathetic. You can't tell that at all. There are two needs met by listening. First, you need to feel understood, and then you need to feel validated. How many of you like to feel understood and validated in your life? Um, there's a book that was written a couple years ago called A View from a Hearse. And it's a book on grief. And Joe ba um, Bailey wrote this, and he said, I was sitting torn by grief when someone came along and talked to me about God's dealings, of, what it, of why it happened of the hope beyond the grave. And he talked constantly, and he said things that I knew were true, but I was unmoved except to wish that he'd go away. And finally he did. Another came next, 
and sat down beside me. He didn't talk. He didn't ask me leading questions, but he sat next to me for an hour or more, listened to what I said when I said something, and briefly um, prayed simply, and then left. I was moved and comforted, and I hated to see that guy go. Some of the most powerful things that you can do is just the power of presence. As I said in Galatians 2, 6, 2, it says, share with each other's troubles. Love your neighbor as yourself. So number three, number three, the good Samaritan, seize the moment. Carpe diem, seize the moment. Don't wait, don't delay, don't put it off. Love is not just sensitive, it's not just sympathetic, but it's also spontaneous. Seize the moment of the day. He went, look what he did. He went and he bandaged the guy's wounds. He poured in oil and wine. He went and did something there. He takes the initiative. How many of you say, you know, if my neighbor came to me or if somebody that is around me came to me with a need, I would go ahead and do something. You notice that the action, you notice the Samaritan one, I mean, the, the guy laying on the ground one going, help me, help me, help me. He was laying there. The Samaritan's the one who took the action and went ahead and did that. One of the interesting things I find out about the 80s is the 80s was one of the biggest times ever for philanthropic things. Um, I had a slide at the beginning that we didn't show, but it's one of, anybody remember Live Aid? One concert, two continents. And Phil Collins sang at Wembley Stadium and then flew all the way to Philadelphia on the Concord and went ahead and sang in both places. First time it ever happened. Only time it ever happened as far as I know. And guess what? Then we had Willie Nelson lead Farm Aid. We had Comic Relief. Remember that? By Billy Crystal and Whoopi Goldberg and uh, Robin Williams. They kicked that one in. Anybody participate in Hands Across America? You remember that? Now, you know what would happen if we did Hands Across America? We'd say, ooh, everybody get out the, the stuff that we can wrap our hands with. Yuck. But it was all to raise money and all to help. And somewhere along the line, we do things. But that was a part of the 80s, that giving back, that loving our neighbors ourselves. We didn't have an attitude. They're in Ethiopia. Who cares? No. We put together the largest group of stars at the time singing, We Are the World. Yet a group called Band-Aid that sang that we still hear the song every Christmas. Do they know it's Christmas at all? And these were millionaires that were using what they had in order to give back to those who were less fortunate and to help out. They took the initiative. And so far now, so many of us are so self-focused and so scared in our own deal that we don't take time to care about those that we should love, that Jesus said. Notice he went ahead and he poured in oil and wine. Now keep in mind, he's not a doctor. Keep in mind, he used what he had, which was probably his lunch, oil and wine. But oil, there's some interesting things. Uh, wine is a disinfectant. It's alcohol. So he used that, and oil is a soothant. And then he bandaged it. Bandaged it. What did he bandage with? He didn't even carry around some Band-Aids. What did he do? He probably ripped off his own clothes and tied that around him. Sacrificial love and sacrificial giving in all this nature. He used what he had. In his hands. He didn't use what the man had because he was naked. Galatians 6.10 tells us, whenever you have the opportunity to help anyone, we should do it. Circle that word whenever. That means that even in our interruptions, whenever we have the opportunity to help anyone, do it. Do you remember earlier that I said the priest walked by and walked on by? I got to tell you something. Nothing happens in your life by accident. I believe everything is father-filtered that God utilizes you and places you in situations to go ahead and meet and connect with people. I believe God put that woman in that stinking fan next to me just to see how much I would go ahead and love or not love. And I've been dealing with that all week. 
And when I see her, I'm going to say, I- I'm sorry, don't turn on that fan again. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I want to I connect her to, to people. I don't want to be the person that's so self-focused that I miss out on an opportunity that God has for me. You know, it's, it's a challenge because we end up in those ways several times. The last thing that we have, and it's very quick today, the last thing that I want to share with you is the fourth thing is we need to pay the cost or pay the price, whatever the price is. Love costs. <clears throat> Notice this verse. He says, then he put the man on his donkey. He took him to an inn where he could take care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two pieces of silver and told him to take care of the man. And if his bill ran higher than that, he would pay the difference. Notice what this guy does. He does a couple things. He takes him to a motel. First, he puts him on a donkey, which means the man was walking. He, the, the, the Samaritan was now walking. The man is on the donkey. He goes ahead. He's cleaned him up. He takes him to an inn. He stays there with him, takes care of him that night. After he does that, he leaves. He pays the price for a couple more days, and he says, when I come back, if it's more, I'll go ahead and pay for you. It cost him something. What financial gain was it for this man to do this? Absolutely nothing. There was no time gain. There was no gain at all in his life except for doing what God required and called him to do. And I ask yourself, how many times in our lives do we pass moments that God has placed in our area and we count the cost of our time and our energy and our resources over the needs of others? And God says, we missed a point. You got, I got to tell you, anytime you take a step of faith and you step out for the Lord, you will get paid back. God says, how do you do that? You get stored up treasures in heaven. Even if you don't get it here, you get stored up treasures in heaven. Kindness is an act of worship. It honors God. In Proverbs 19.22, it says kindness. Ready for this? If anybody doesn't think you're very good looking, here it goes. Proverbs 19.22 says, kindness makes a man attractive. Isn't that a good verse? So if you want to look good, start being kind. You know, I'm told, I'm told that I'm most attractive to my wife if I'm doing dishes. <laughs> Am I right? I've heard that before. I've heard that before, that if I'm just sitting around doing nothing, click, 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 bring me, give me, I'm not very attractive at that moment. But when I'm kind and I'm doing stuff out of kindness of my heart, I'm darn good looking. And so that's the scripture right there. In Isaiah 58, it says, if you feed the hungry and if you take care of the needs of those who are in trouble, then your light will shine in darkness. The Lord will lead you. I'd love for the Lord to lead every step of my way. And it'll satisfy your needs in dry lands, and you'll be like a spring that never runs dry. In Proverbs 11, 17, it says, Your own, own soul is nourished when you're kind. The last verse in this, verse 36 and 37, what do they say? The guy asked him, Who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Show me the one that, that's my neighbor. And Jesus says, Wait a second, let me ask you, which one is the neighbor to the guy who's on the road? Which one? Because love, look, look at what Jesus says here. The one who showed mercy, the guy answered, he says, right on, correct. Now you go and do the same. You notice those two actions there? Love is not passive. It is easy to say, I love you. I love you. Oh, I, I care. I love you. I, I, you know what? I love you. Love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. But you know what is where love is displayed in action? 
Love is not passive, it's active. The higher love that we have is a love that is placed in action for one reason, because of our love for God, our love for God in action. How do we love God? With all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength? By knowing him, by spending time with him and loving others as ourselves. And that's what we have today. So we need to go and do. As the praise team comes up today, um, I want to give you some homework. I want you to love somebody. I want you to love a neighbor. I I believe that God is giving you somebody to love. And no, I'm not going to break off into Queen, somebody to love. Um, But I really believe in my life that God has placed somebody in your life that needs to be loved, not in word. That's easy. I can tell the person I can't stand the most, I love you. I'm not like Fonzie. For those of you in the 80s, remember happy days? Couldn't say you're wrong, you know? I, I, can't, I can't go, like, if somebody I really don't love can't say, ooh. I can look at the person I can't stand most in the world, and I can say, I lo- I, I, no, I love you. I care about you, and I can move on. And be like, jerk. I could do that. But love is an action. So I want you to love on somebody this week. I want you to, to actively see somebody that you can love on. And guess what? I would bet that love would come around. If some, when I've heard people say that they fall out of love, I don't believe that. You just stop doing and being and giving. You stop going and doing. You just said, I'm not going to love you anymore. I'm not going to be in love. I'm not going to choose to give love anymore this way. I'm going to give it to myself, or I'm going to give it to others. Love is hard. It's hard. It's difficult, but it's an action. Please stand where you are today as, as we close out um, this today. I'm going to go over here for a prayer, then we're going to um, finish this service off today. To me, music is like a, is this on? Can you hear me? All right. To me, uh, the word of God is like music. I think it, it means whatever God wants it to mean to you. And I think this song is, you know, about waiting for God and waiting to know what that means. You know I mean? You know, we're all touched by music and, we're all, and, it, and it means a different, it lists a different emotion in our hearts. So just sing the song, just, you know, you can pray where you are, you can pray with Jack. This is all the time to reflect on what you heard today and how that uh, and how how that means something to you in your life. Love 
you guys I think I think we'll put Jack on the treadmill one more time and sing higher love what do you guys think yeah. anybody got a fan
All right, next week we conclude the 80s series, and it'll be this song right here.